Support for WABE comes from the Community Foundation for Greater Atlanta. You can go beyond giving to impact. Learn more at cfgreateratlanta.org. I'm Erlon Woods. I'm Nigel Poor. We're the hosts and creators of Ear Hustle from PRX's Radiotopia. Ear Hustle is a show about life inside prison, but it's not your typical prison podcast. In this next season, we've got stories about the objects people keep inside their prison cells. About residents in a women's prison who say they want to stay there. And the most beautiful prison garden. Erlon, I will never forget it. Ear Hustle. Stories about life on the inside, told by those who live it. Find Ear Hustle wherever you get your podcasts. From WABE in Atlanta, welcome to this Thursday edition of Closer Look. I'm Rose Scott. Oh, last summer there was a lot of disappointed kids. Just ask Kayla. When we found out last year that we weren't going to be able to go to camp, I was so so devastated. I cried. I wanted to go. But when I found out we were going this year, I was so excited. And even though that we couldn't go last year, I was super excited that we could go this year. I cried too, Kayla. But this year is different. And we'll hear how summer camps are back after shutting down due to the pandemic. So we'll talk about that in just a moment. But first, today is Earth Day. And President Joe Biden is meeting with 40 heads of state from around the world, virtually that is, for a global climate summit. Now, earlier today, the president pledged the U.S. will cut its greenhouse gas emission in half by the end of this decade. And meanwhile, the president is also calling on young folks across the country to get vaccinated. To put it simply, if you've been waiting for your turn, wait no longer. Now is the time for everyone over 16 years of age to get vaccinated. Of course, here in Georgia, those 16 and older have been eligible since last month. Still, Georgia continues to lag behind most every other state when it comes to administering COVID-19 vaccines. Now, at this time, it's about 5.5 million vaccines have been administered. That's only about 20 percent of Georgians who are fully vaccinated. Meanwhile, the total number of cases confirmed since last year now stands at 871,460. 17,217 Georgians have lost their life due to the coronavirus. And the total number of hospitalizations, well, it's now at 60,788. And this, the rate of new U.S. unemployment claims has hit a significant mark since last year. Now, according to the U.S. Labor Department from earlier today, 547,000 Americans filed new unemployment claims just last week. And get this, that's down from a peak of 900,000 in early January. Maybe some of them will be applying to work at summer camps. We need you. Now, coming up in just a moment, we'll talk about that. My conversation with Tom Rosenberg, president and CEO of the American Camp Association, is up next. Support for WABE comes from the Community Foundation for Greater Atlanta. If you love Atlanta, you can invest in the big picture. Learn more at cfgreateratlanta.org. And Closer Look continues now here on 90.1 WABE. This is Atlanta's Choice for NPR. I'm Rose Scott. If you spent summer at what we call sleepaway or day camp, chances are you had a favorite activity. 
Maybe it was hiking, camping, fishing, arts and crafts. For me, it was all of the above and playing basketball, which sometimes I wasn't supposed to be on the court, but hey, it's me. But we also know how summer camp is much more than just fun and games, right? Now, experts with the American Camp Association say children who get the chance to go to camp develop social skills like leadership, communication, and resourcefulness. And for many campers, it can be a rare opportunity to learn and explore nature. Now, we know last summer this experience was shuttered, and that includes the 93 ACA member camps here in Georgia. Most camps, about 82 percent, went virtual or were completely reimagined per guidance from those camps associated with the American Camp Association. But guess what, y'all, as we say here in the South, summer camps will be back this year, albeit a little bit different experience after all. The coronavirus pandemic is still with us. And joining me now to talk about all of this is Tom Rosenberg, president and CEO of the American Camp Association. And he lives right here in Atlanta, Georgia. Tom, welcome. Thanks, Rose. It's really wonderful to be with you. Let's begin here. Do you have a favorite summer camp memory? Oh, man. Um, You know, just being out in the woods is probably my most present memory. But I I loved archery personally. Mm -hmm. But I just and also just being with my friends out in the sunshine away from my parents, frankly, and enjoying uh, lots of new experiences. That's what it's all about. And so when you go back to last year and when you realize that, you know what, we're going to have to shut, some of our camps are going to have to shut, or obviously we're in a pandemic, what was that moment like for you? What were your emotions? Oh, it was heartbreaking for millions. 26 million children across the United States attend day and overnight camp each summer in a typical year. That's one-third of all school-age children really ought to be every single school-age child in this country, and that's what I'm working for. But it was heartbreaking, so we're excited this summer to offer kids a chance to get back outside and learn uh, in the sunshine. How many member camps are there in ACA? Well, uh, gosh, there are probably member camps over 3,100 across Mm -hmm. the United States, but actually there are over 15,000 camps in total that we serve whether they're a member or not a member, or whether they're accredited or not accredited, we do our best to elevate all camps for all kids. I imagine then you all heard a lot of feedback. I imagine this was devastating for those camps to either have to not be able to welcome kids back for, you know, sleep away or overnight, or just even having to shift and try to come up with something, some activities for kids. Yeah, we, we, we scrambled to uh, work with experts to define how day camps and overnight camps could function well in, in COVID-19. We also commissioned uh, a lot of research uh, from independent sources around how what, what are the best practices for day camps and overnight camps that are most effective in keeping kids healthy and having fun at camp. And so this summer, 21, we have all this research that is now informing the camp experience. And that research shows that camps can operate safely this summer, as long as they follow the best practices from last summer. This is things like being diligent and consistent about wearing face masks for campers and staff, keeping kids in small groups, and practicing physical distancing between those groups, and a number of other layers that we like to call the Swiss cheese method of uh, COVID uh, virus defense. (laughs) So Tom, you're telling me that the campers and staff will be wearing masks the the entire time that they're all around each other? Well, certainly um, the guidelines typically um, call for kids to be wearing masks when, um, when they're out. So, so what you're going to see at camp this summer is mm-hmm. kids are going to be organized in small groups. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are their cohorts every day, same group, same staff. And when they're inside that cohort and they're physically distanced from other cohorts, they don't necessarily 
depending on the state, they may not have to wear their masks at all time. Some mm-hmm. states may require them to wear them at all time. It's going to vary state to state. Mm-hmm. But um, when they are um, when they're not physically distanced from the other groups, they must have their masks on um, at all times, typically. So you, what you all have some broad guidelines for the camps, but you also are leaving it up to them based on whatever the guideline is in their state, because some states have lifted you know, the, the mask mandate and others still have some other type of restriction. So it's sort of a hybrid. You know, camps can operate based on your guidelines and also the guidelines of the public health department in their state. So we, our guidelines really support the Centers for Disease Control uh, guidance that's published each year for for day camps and overnight camps. And that guidance for 2021 will be out shortly. Uh, we had a webinar at the CDC this week for camp directors and city and county health officers. And I know that they're publishing that guidance very soon. Um, at state camps are regulated at the state level across the United States. So mm-hmm. every state regulates camp just a little bit different. And so, for example, parents are looking for camps for their kids or should know that finding an accredited American Camp Association camp is the only way to know in all 50 states that a camp is meeting the foundational standards of the field. But um, so essentially what uh, camp directors um, are doing from state to state is they have to follow their state Department of Health uh, guidance, and they also need to follow the Centers for Disease Control. And um, sometimes those don't match up entirely, mm-hmm. but um, in general, uh, the, the layers of protection that are found by research, uh, consistent research, numerous studies that have been conducted over this year, so where, where kids are going to be asked to wear uh, face masks. That has been uh, found to be a fundamental practice. They're going to be organizing these small groups, mm-hmm. and those small groups will be uh, physically distanced from each other. Um, so that way, if, if for some reason, uh, pre-screening and surveillance um, reveals that one of those campers or staff members is symptomatic, um, that cohort can be isolated from the rest of camp and camp can continue. Um, but you know, uh, participating in camp this, this summer, whether it's day camp or overnight camp, is really about a social contract between parents, the kids themselves, and the camp leadership and the camp staff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you're going to day camp each year, each day, you're, you're going to be, uh, you're, you're going to want to make sure that you have some behavior change uh, in your family to make sure that you and your family are not taking any un- unnecessary risks uh, before you go to camp the next day mm-hmm. at day camp. Or if you're going to overnight camp before you enter that bubble and you're there for a week or two or three. You know, um, you're going to do some pre-screening. You're going to do some, uh, maybe you might be asked to do a pre-camp COVID test. Mm -hmm. uh, And um, you're going to shelter as a family and change your behaviors for about 10 days before you go to camp. So that when you arrive at camp um, and you settle into that bubble, um, you're as healthy as you possibly can be. If you're just joining us, I'm joined by Tom Rosenberg. He's president and CEO of the American Camp Association. We're talking about guidelines for this year's campers and staff. And i, I got to ask you now, are you requiring all staff to be vaccinated? Are you going to leave that up to each individual camp? So we, we strongly encourage camps and camp staff to um, encourage vaccination of all their staff members. As you heard on the 
program you were just running uh, on NPR. It's a legal, it's a different kind of legal matter with staff members. Mm -hmm. um, I know that uh, many schools are starting to require vaccination and I would not be surprised to have camps strongly encouraging if not requiring vaccination of their participants, but employees sometimes can be a different legal matter. Um, the greater the percentage of uh, participants and staff members at camp that are vaccinated, the healthier that community is. You know, traditionally, when we think of summer camp staff, and I should know, and you should know, we think of teens and young adults. But that's also the population group that many public health officials have been concerned about with the latest and spike in new coronavirus cases. How concerning is that for you? Certainly, um, the, you know, with the new uh, uh, the spike in cases and, and the, the variants, um, there are reasons to be concerned. But I I'm very comforted by the research that has been uh, conducted over this past year that really is demonstrating um, these layers of protection, starting with masking and um, cohorting or grouping them in small groups, teaching the kids hand hygiene and cough etiquette, um, basically adapting the camp program very carefully to where it meets COVID protocols, a number of different layers of protection. If you take each of those, each of those layers by themselves is, um, ha, you know, it, they're, they're not perfect. They're mm -hmm. limited. They have limitations. Um, but if you apply them one on top of another, if you stack them up uh, all together, there are formidable uh, way to mitigate the transmission of the virus. And we've seen um, over numerous studies that day and overnight camps can uh, provide kids with a safe and healthy um, summer experience, a learning experience. And after such a difficult year of sheltering in place for these kids, mm -hmm. uh, we need to we need to make sure that they have this summer of healing ahead of them. What reassurances do you want to give parents, and our listeners, and campers, and even the public at large, about ACA summer camps and all the safety precautions? Because you know, if it just takes just takes one headline, one news report about a, a COVID nineteen outbreak at a summer camp. Yeah. And, and so the research last summer, Rose, also showed that if a camp did not consistently and diligently employ all of the layers of uh, protection, like wearing masks consistently, that they did have outbreaks. So this is about community. This is mm -hmm. about the community of uh, our, our, our city, but also our our camps within our city, teaching kids about collective responsibility. The layers of protection, some of those are like collective. So for example, making sure that the activities have been adapted to COVID or making sure that all the processes of screening and pre-screening and um, sheltering in place before the camp experience all take place. Part of it's about personal responsibility where parents and their kids um, are are, are under, undertaking behavior changes um, before they go to camp to make sure that they are um, being as safe as possible and that when they arrive at camp that they follow the protocols, that they are wearing masks when appropriate. Um, and so collectively, kids are learning at camp this summer to be a community, to, to lean into working together so that everyone can have fun at camp, be out there in the sunshine with their BFFs, playing basketball, taking hikes in the woods. <laughs> but the only way we can do that is if we work together. You know, we started this conversation. We talked about how disappointed it was for last summer. So we'll end the conversation. How excited are you, Tom, for oh. millions of campers this summer? 
I am so excited. Uh, you know, kids have been so isolated, so anxious, yeah. and so disconnected. I, I know the pandemic has robbed all of us of so much, but I would say the kids have been robbed most of all. There's been so much discussion about our, our kids' very real academic losses over this disrupted school year, but I'd argue, and you started to mention it earlier, that not nearly enough has been said about their social and emotional losses, mm -hmm. right? So this summer, an immersive and joyous summer camp experience and other summer learning programs can help them rebuild. And even better, it'll help set them up for greater success come this fall when they return to school. And we're going to talk about social and emotional learning and the summer camp experience in just a moment. Tom Rosenberg, president and CEO of the American Camp Association. I got to tell you, Tom, if I wasn't a journalist, I'd have your job, buddy. <laughs> oh, I, come out. Let's go out and play at Camp Rose. You know, I think um, teaching a podcast class maybe would be really just the right thing right now. You know, I got to tell you, my heart is with Sherwood Forest Camp. But you tell me right here in Georgia, if there's a camp that needs me, I'll be there. Did you go to Sherwood Forest? That's the next segment coming up. You should hang around and listen to it. Mary oh, Rogers. got Mary Rogers? Is oh, my, my former camp director. Oh, this is a great surprise. Yes. So Hang out if you that. want to or just listen. I will. I'll All be right. here. We're back in a Good moment. Dear friend. Thanks a lot, Tom. Okay. <laughs> Yes, thank you so much. Closer Look continues now here on 90.1 WABE. This is Atlanta's Choice for NPR. As always, I'm Rose Scott. As you just heard, camps associated with the American Camp Association will be back this summer. And I got to tell you, that was welcome news for a third grader outside of St. Louis named Kayla. My first memories were when I came to camp where I made a lot of friends and I learned how to do things that I didn't even know how to do, like make a fire and learn how to make more friends and make some crafts. And it's just been so much fun to learn how to do that. Oh, and I remember all of that. She's talking about Sherrod Forest Camp in Missouri. Now get this, because I'm going to make everybody feel old who's just about to join this conversation. Kayla is the daughter of a camper I had in one of my many summer cabin groups back in 19-whatever. She's also the granddaughter of another camp alumni. We call her Tweety, but her name is Alice. And I was a counselor under Tweety. And Tweety was a cabin mate of my next guest, Mary Rogers, who's executive director emerita of Sherrod Forest Camp. And she joins me now to talk about summer camps and the importance they have on kids beyond building a fire and, and playing all the camp activity games. Mary Rogers, welcome to Closer Look. Rose, thank you so much. It's such an honor to be here on the air with you and with my classmate, Tweety, Dr. Alice Miller, and seeing Tom Rosenberg in the background, he and I are headed into a meeting after this okay. uh, for the American Camp Association. Uh, let's begin here, Mary, if you don't mind me asking, how old were you the very first time you went to camp? So I was a 13-year-old kid um, referred by a Catholic charity social worker. Um, my mom was a widow, and, and our social worker said, you should send your daughter's to camp. And so I went off to Sherwood Forest. And as near as I can tell, the minute I stepped off the bus, I fell in love with it. You have said on so many occasions, I went to camp, never left. What was it about the, ex the experience that time that for decades, and I know you don't mind me saying this, decades you've dedicated your life to not just enjoying the camp experience, but making sure so many other kids also had the opportunity to share that experience? 
There were so many things about those early experiences, but as I remember it, here are the here are the highlights. First of all, I was the most shy, the most insecure, the most unconfident child in the world. And camp opened up a place for me where I could grow in confidence. It also was a place where I got to meet people I was never going to meet anywhere else. I got to do things I was never going to do anywhere else. And I discovered pretty early on that those <clears throat> So I think all of us who participated in camp know this. There are times in camp when it's hard. It's uncomfortable. You don't know people. You're trying new things. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you fail. And you know what? It's the best place in the world to do all of those things because there's such incredible support. And it's anchored by so much fun and so much enjoyment, so mm -hmm. much meeting new friends and then keeping those friends. So I learned all of that stuff and I learned how to grow into what I considered to be my best self. I always feel like I'm my best self when I'm at camp. And so I was a camper for two years and then Alice Miller, Tweety and I met when we were in the leadership training program after our freshman year in high school, spent two years in the leadership training program and then joined the summer staff. And like so many young people, including yourself, Rose Holmes, oh, Rose Scott, um, <laughs> When, when we enter that opportunity to be a young staff member, one of the most common phrases I heard from those young people, and I myself might have said, I don't remember it, but I might have said, why, when I asked, why do I want to be a camp counselor? Because I got so much from my camp counselors. Now I want to be able to give that to somebody else. And I, I got to do that. I got to ask Dr. Alice Miller Tweedy because you, <laughs> I was a counselor in your village. I think I was, what, 14, 15? <laughs> How'd I do? <laughs> 16. 16. How'd I do, Tweedy? <laughs> you did fine. You did fine. Yes, it, it was good. Mary talked yeah. about social, emotional learning. Both of you are educators in a sense, too. Can you reflect or connect, and then Mary, I'll let you chime in, too. Connect for our listeners about the social and emotional learning for kids in summer camps. And, and Dr. M Dr. Miller, I'll start with you. <laughs> um, thank you. First of all, we're, uh, we are so proud of you. I tell you, Rose, you have done so, you're just awesome. We are so proud of you. Um, it is extremely important and it will really be extremely important for our kids and our campers this summer um, because of, as Tom mentioned, that social, that connection that they have missed for over a year. I mean, I even remember the kids doing birthday parades here this summer, this uh, fall and so forth. And they were just excited to see each other from a distance. So you can imagine what they'll be like when they see each other actually where they can, you know, be in a cabin group together. And as Mary said, you know, you form, even my daughter, my granddaughter has several girls in her Girl Scout troop that go, and they have formed such a great bond by being at camp and even out other people. I mean, it's just been great for them. Mary, let's talk about the staff, because as I asked Tom earlier, you know, this is, this is new waters for everybody, but talk about what staff get out of the camp experience too and working with some of the kids that come in, because as you know, you know, in St. Louis, particularly because there are a lot of kids from inner St. Inner city St. Louis coming to camp for the first time, 
you know, my parents, my family took took us to Lake of Ozarks and all that. But I had so many cabin mates who had never heard a whippoorwill, who had never heard a bullfrog at night. You know, the, and then you also had some counselors who were like, what's that? Because <laughs> it was a learning experience for them as well. <laughs> it's true. You know, Rose, I think one of the greatest um, joys that I've had the experience of and being a camp director was watching these young people. First of all, finding them. And I so often found young people who wanted to do the work of being a camp counselor and didn't know how to do it because they'd never done it before. Mm -hmm. And um, it's a powerful, formative time in um, development. Um, young adult development and most of most of our young staff are you know now they're high school graduates and they're in college or they're just barely out of college mm -hmm. and they're still developing and so the experiences at camp um, provide this really strong foundation for them in their own growth and their own learning because like the kids they're learning but they're learning at a step ahead of the kids. Mm -hmm. And so in a way, it becomes almost like a feedback loop where, where counselors are learning how to be camp counselors and kids are learning um, how to do all the things that they get to do at camp. Mary, and I asked Tom this, what concerns do you have? I mean, it sounds like there's going to be all types of precautions. And listen, you know, you can never be more than 100%. Maybe you can be 200%. What concerns do you have? Considering that, particularly with, for a camp like Sherwood Forest Camp, so many of the campers are coming from these vulnerable com communities that have been hit the hardest by the coronavirus. So what concerns and what is your hope? that for all these campers, that they have an experience that they can enjoy and, and just get away from just everything associated with the pandemic, at least for just a week or two weeks or three weeks. So, of course, we have concerns. But as Tom was talking, because I got to listen to that piece of, of your interview, as Tom was talking about layering on these different protections, um, this is the best way that we can do all that we can do to safeguard the health and the safety of our campers. It's paramount in the work that camp professionals do. But one of the things that I think is important to know is that it's our young staff who are gonna be helping to create the environment where campers are gonna be in compliance with that and staff are gonna be in compliance with that. And it's those young staff who are gonna have this opportunity to set the culture for how this happens in camp. So, of course, we who are camp professionals, we who are members of the American Camp Association, we who are committed to the camp experience for young people want this to go well. We want to get as many of these protections in place. But like Tom, like my, my colleague, Dr. Alice Miller, Tweedy, um, has said, this is so important for kids to be able to get back to this environment. Because I think that in this very challenging time in their lives, when they get to do this and they get to learn how to do this and they get to learn how to do this with one another in a supportive and caring community, we are building their resilience muscles because that's what this has challenged. Mm -hmm. It's challenged kids' resilience. I don't think they're not resilient. 
I think that they're learning how to be resilient. And I think that the pandemic and all that it has pushed at kids, which has been so challenging for them, can also be this place where they learn, this is really hard and I can do it. We can do it. We can do it together. Dr. Miller, you've been at camp. You've had your kids at camp. Now your granddaughter's at camp. Do you have any concerns? You've heard what Mary and you've heard what Tom have said. So you feel, I'm asking you to step outside that educator. I'm, I'm asking you to step, step inside your Nana hat. <laughs> Put on your Nana hat here. Do you have, are you feeling confident about sending your grandbaby this summer to camp? I am because I know the precautions that um, they're taking and I know the expectation that the staff is taking and the program staff is taking. Um, I'm a little disappointed, you know, that we won't be able to go to camp, that I can't go to camp, you know, this summer myself, Mm -hmm. but I completely understand the bubble and what they're going to be doing. So, you know, we've talked with Kayla, we've talked with her friends and, I'm not really concerned about um, sending her. Mm -hmm. And we've Mm -hmm. talked about precautions and what they have to do and continue to do if they want to still be at camp. This is what's going to have to be done. Mary, when we talk about the social, the emotional learning, we talk about how summer camp is so important. Now, other than using me as a shining example, (laughs) (laughs) I want you to share with our listeners a story of a, of a camper over the years throughout your professional camp experience that really, that really just stayed with you about the development of this person um, in all the years he or she came to camp. There, there are so many examples, Rose, but I am going to use you as a shining example because <laughs> I met you when you were 12. Oh, goodness. <laughs> I, 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 met, I met Rose when she was 12 and I was a young camp in my first year as camp director. And, 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 and I'll tell you, I'm telling the world, I made a mistake in putting Rose in the cabin group I put her in. She was in a cabin group that was years older than her. Yes, Lord. And, <laughs> and, yes. And, 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 and I will say this, that, you know, this is another example of how camp can really build those resilience muscles. I think Rose was born feisty. Um, but I'll tell you what, that first experience at camp really challenged Rose to be feisty, to be the strong young woman that, that we got to know her to be. I, I got to watch you grow up in leadership training. I got to watch you in the challenging experiences of being in first year leadership when, when, when you were 14 years old. I got to watch you be a cabin counselor when you were 16 years old. I got to watch you work with with both little girls as a cabin counselor and little boys as a cabin counselor. And, 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 and so, you know, I cannot tell you how many times when I'm tuned to NPR, I hear your voice (laughs) and it makes me so unbelievably proud to have known you back in those days and to have known that camp was a piece of the way in which you grew up to become the strong woman you are today. So, Sorry, girl, you're my <laughs> shining light story. And, and I want to say this because as someone, we've been talking about the experiences for the kids. But in my first my first cabin group, I had a young camper, Susan, who was hearing impaired. And it scared, I never told you this, it scared me to death. But luckily, I think her cousin Dory or someone who she grew up with, they had also recommended that they put her in a cabin. And she taught us, as a best a little kid could, taught us sound language, sign language. 
so I could communicate with Susan. And that was so that was such a relief for me because I wanted all my kids in that cabin. You know, Tweety, you know this. We decorate the cabin mm-hmm. the night before. Mm-hmm. I had stuffed animals and children's books, and I would play Miriam Akiba on my little cassette radio and read them African, you know, folklore stories to get them to sleep. Uh-huh. And but I was so nervous about having Susan, and then just that whole camp experience. So. I can tell you as a as a staff member, we learned from those kids as well. And probably one of my favorite, favorite kids was little, was it Doyle? Remember Doyle? Doyle was from Farmington, Missouri. Doyle was six years old. And every day Doyle told me he was going to run away. <laughs> oh, I do remember that. And he tried to, uh, I guess I put this, he tried to borrow the camp van to yeah. go back home. <laughs> he was six yeah. years old. And I said, here, take the keys. And Mary, you were like, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't have the keys, Mary. But, you know, it was just to see what Doyle would do. But, you know, experiences like that. Doyle had a blast at camp. And Doyle is the kid. I was in tears. Doyle was in in tears as I put him on the bus and he hugged me. And that's what camp's all about, right? Crying when the kids go home. And, And, Rose, the way that you describe the story of Doyle, and I remember it really clearly, so obviously does Tweety, Yes. Um, that when you when you said here here take the keys, which you didn't have, and I wasn't going to give you access to <laughs> nor him. I mean, he was six. In a way, what you were doing was saying to him, "Okay, you want to go, go. I want you to stay." Yeah. And you were really testing him and letting him know that you were hearing that he wanted to go when mm-hmm. he really. Part of him wanted to go. Part of him was homesick, but part of him wanted to be there. That's acceptance. Mm -hmm. That's the kind of creativity that counselors are called upon to do all the time at camp. Yes. (laughs) And you did so well. Um, And so many times with so many kids. That's that's the muscle that gets built when staff members meet kids like Doyle. And that is why, folks, we've been talking about the importance of summer camp and all those campers who get to come back to camp this summer. Mary Rogers, Executive Director of Emerita of Shared Forest Camp in Lesterville, Missouri, also my former camp director. also had a conversation with Dr. Alice Miller, who allowed me to come back and be a camp counselor, and also Tom <laughs> Rosenberg from earlier in the program. And I'll say this is my parting shot. Calamine lotion can be your friend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's been a pleasure. Thank you all for joining me on the program today. It's been a pleasure. Oh, it's been our pleasure. Thank you so much. Thanks. Thanks, Thank Rose. You, Rose. Thank you. That is it for this edition of Closer Look, which is produced by Grace Walker and LaShawn Hudson. Our engineer is Kevin Rinker. And if you missed any of today's show, you can find the entire program online at wabe.org slash Closer Look. And that's also where you can donate as well. And you can also listen to Closer Look weeknights at 7 p.m. as well as in our podcast. So subscribe to Closer Look wherever you like. And a reminder, today is a great day because we're partnering with Trees Atlanta. It's a great partnership for every donation. Guess what? We're going to plant a tree. And that is always a good thing. Stay tuned to 90.1 WABE, Atlanta's choice for NPR. I'm Rose Scott.
Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Local, state, national politics. WABE and NPR have the coverage you need. I'm Jim Burris, host of WABE's All Things Considered. Whether it's on the air at 90.1, streaming online, or connecting through our mobile app, WABE keeps you on top of election 2024 in what's sure to be a pivotal year in politics. And for candidates and ballot information, visit our election hub at wabe.org election 2024.